0: I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, our theme today is Life-Changing Lessons from Two Holy Spirit-Filled People. The lessons we learn from these two individuals are just incredible and will help you, will benefit you, will challenge you, inspire you, motivate you, And be a great blessing to each one of us. I welcome our radio listeners at this point. Thank you radio listeners for joining us. And so, in Acts chapter 4, we read about the account of Peter and John, two Holy Spirit filled people. We read about Peter and John before the council, before a main governing body. And as we... As we unwrap this this story and the truths that are contained therein, I want you to notice this first truth with me, all right? The first life-changing truth that comes out is this. Witnessing for Jesus can sometimes be risky. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. And this comes from the very first part of the account where in Acts 4 it says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them. That's why I said it's risky, right? They arrested them and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. Until morning. Peter and John had been in the area of the temple witnessing about Jesus, encouraging people to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And it turned out to be very risky because as we just read, verse 3 tells us that they were arrested and put in jail. Not a fun time. Some of you might wonder why Peter and John were arrested. Well, here are just a few probable reasons. First, there was likely jealousy. Jealousy over Peter and John's influence over the crowds. These authorities were seeing that there were a lot of people paying attention to what these men were saying and speaking about. And and they were concerned that so many people were starting to put their faith in Jesus. Uh, Another reason, a second reason why they were arrested is because Peter and John's uh, assumption, they had the assumption of teaching authority without having had formal education or rabbinical ordination. So some of the authorities may have said, "Hey, who are you to be teaching in the temple? What do you know? You you don't have any you don't have any doctoral degrees?" All right. A third reason why they were possibly thrown in jail was because of potential fear, potential fear that the enthusiasm of the crowd might precipitate trouble with the Roman authorities. And And the Jewish authorities were concerned to try to keep the Roman authorities happy because when the Roman government clamped down, clamped down on an area, a city, or a province, it was very painful. And then a fourth reason why Peter and John were arrested that evening was because the Sadducees, the Sadducees who who were part of the authoritative structure, who were part of this, Authority group. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they, they did not want anyone else preaching that anyone who believes in Jesus would someday be resurrected from the dead and go to heaven. The Sadducees didn't want to hear that. They did not believe in the resurrection. And so that's why, that's why they were sad, you see, That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> Pastor Lisa, I mean, she, she picked up on that just like that. I mean, she's just, all right. By the way, the Sadducees were the wealthy aristocratic people of their day. There were not many of them. There were not many of them, but they were rich, and they had great influence. Now the bottom line, the bottom line is Peter and John's witnessing for Jesus was very risky. In our country, and in your life and mine, very rarely will anyone go to jail for sharing the good news of Jesus, as did Peter and John. Nevertheless, there is some risk involved. Right? There's some risk. There is the risk, for example, the risk of rejection. If you encourage someone to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus, if, if a person says, you know, I don't believe in that stuff, that stuff's not for me, you could feel rejected. Is that true? You could feel rejected. Witness anyway. Witness anyway or if you invite a friend to put their faith in Jesus and they don't they don't there is a possibility that they will ignore you ignore you in the future out of fear that you'll talk to them again about Jesus witness anyway in a loving way if you witness to someone at work or at school you might end up you might end up having them make fun of you witness anyway Share the love of Jesus. May Peter and John's example inspire us, inspire you and me to witness for Jesus in your family, at work, at school, on the street, with your neighbors, in the community where you live, right here in church, wherever you are. Amen? Witnessing for Jesus can sometimes be risky. Do it anyway. And this leads us to a second beautiful lesson, and it is this. When you and I witness for Jesus, we can be assured that someone will believe. Now stick with me. This comes out of verse 4, because as the story unfolds, it says, but many of the people who heard their message, that is, heard Peter and John's message, many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Now obviously in their case, there was an incredible response. And exactly, exactly when someone will believe why they will believe, and how they will believe, we, we don't always know. You know, we can't always answer those questions. <clears throat> uh, if I said to you, if I said to you, how did you come to faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? A good number of you, or at least some of you would probably say, something like you would say, well, someone, someone witnessed to me about Jesus at first, you'd probably say, at first, I didn't believe, but weeks, months, or maybe even years later, I remembered what that person said to me, and and I got to that point where I asked God to forgive me for my sins, and I began to believe in Jesus as my Savior. How, how many maybe, how many of you would, would say that that's a little bit of what happened to you, that at some point in your life, Someone, someone spoke to you, someone witnessed to you about Jesus and, and, and encouraged you to put your faith in Jesus. And maybe at first you, you really didn't care, you didn't respond very much, uh, you kind of wanted to avoid the person. But then uh, sometime later, sometime later, their words, their words started to kind of really, really hit you and really started to find a place in your heart. How, how many of you ha- have had that kind of an experience? Just Just put your hand up. Yeah, 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 wow. Yes, yes, let me just see those hands. Okay, right, right, yes, yes, quite a few hands. Quite a few hands have gone up here. Okay, all right, that's exactly what we're talking about, all right, when you and I witness for Jesus... We may not always see the results at first. We may not always see someone responding right away, but we can be assured that someone will believe at some point in time, and you know what? It's very possible that when you get to heaven, when you get to heaven, (laughs) someone, someone will say to you, "Uh, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, I want you to know I'm in heaven here because, because 30 years ago you talked to me about putting my faith and trust in Jesus, and I told you to, to get lost, but but your words, your words rang in my mind and my heart for many weeks or many months. And 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 you know, years later, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I'm in heaven now because of what you witnessed to me about years ago. Amen. And it's very possible, it's very possible, it's very possible that you'll, you'll say, I did, I, when did I do that? <laughs> I did that, I did that. You know, because the simple truth is, you, you and I don't remember everything, right? Sometimes, sometimes I'll have someone that I haven't seen for 30 years on and I'll meet them somewhere and, and they'll say, Pastor Nick, pa- pa- Pastor Nick, you challenged me to give my heart, my life to Jesus back when I was a teenager. And and and, and, and I didn't respond then, but I want you to know since then I put my heart, I put my heart in, in the in the hands of the Lord, and I'm a Christian now. All right, all right. That's truth number two. When you and I witness for Jesus, we can be assured that someone will believe. Don't get discouraged, persevere. Let's go to a third truth. <clears throat> yeah, this, this third one. I hope you are going to understand this or take it in the right, in the right way. Pastor Lisa at staff meeting this week, if, if, if I somehow blow this, I want you to tell me. Okay? The third truth is this. When the Lord uses you to do something good for him or for a person... Don't be surprised if someone complains. (laughs) This truth comes from verses five to nine in the story. Okay, stick with me now. Don't be surprised if someone complains. Here it is, verse five. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law Sometimes they were called the Sanhedrin. They were the authorities. They met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples. In other words, they brought in Peter and John and demanded, okay, look at this now. And they demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Have you done this? What they're talking about is by by whose power and what name did you bring healing, did you bring healing to a man who had been lame for over 40 years? It talks about his healing in the previous chapter, chapter three. Now think about it, think about it. Through Peter and John, Jesus healed a beggar. A dear beggar who had been in fact lame for more than 40 years. Verse 22 tells us that. Now you would think, you would think that everyone should be super happy about his healing, wouldn't you? (laughs) You'd think that Who cares how it happened? Isn't it marvelous? A man who couldn't walk since he was born has been healed. Hallelujah. Praise God. However, however, in verse 7, the authorities say to Peter and John, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Stop your complaining, you know? Stop your questioning. Stop, stop your whining. That's what I would want to say to them. Stop your nonsense. Just praise God that the beggar was healed and he could walk for the first time in 40 years. The response of the authorities in this story, the response of the authorities is a lesson to us of how When the Lord uses you, when the Lord uses you to do something good for him or for some person or family, don't be surprised if someone complains. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds ridiculous, but that's what happened here, and you have seen that happen as well. Sometimes in your own life. Um, have, any of you, have any of you heard of a lady named Oprah? Anybody heard about Oprah? Put your hand up. Okay, I'll ask you to put your hand up be, just, just, just to give you a little stretch there, okay? That's, that's the main reason, okay? I, I, I know that most of you would know Oprah, all right? Think of, think of Oprah. I remember when a few years ago, Oprah provided a large amount of money to start a school, or maybe, maybe it was several schools. It was probably, uh, forgive me if I, if I can't recall everything fully, but it was probably several schools. She gave a lot of money to start these beautiful schools in some very needy areas in Africa. And when I read about it or heard about it on the news, I thought, you know, that's wonderful, that's wonderful, Oprah, that's so generous of you. May God bless you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for using your wealth in such a a beautiful way. Thank you, Oprah, for being generous and for helping children. I I thought it was exciting. It was marvelous. Soon, soon thereafter, soon thereafter, I was watching the news and I, I was shocked. I was shocked because I heard different groups of people in the United States and I heard different organizations in the United States complaining, complaining about why Oprah was pouring millions into these schools in, in some country in Africa when these groups said, well, you know, why is Oprah doing that when she should have? She should have been helping schools here in the United States in different needy areas. And I I remember hearing about about the, the unfortunate, the unfortunate complaints against her because she was doing something wonderful overseas. And I thought, you know, people, 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 give the lady a break. Give the lady a break. You know, stop your waning, Rejoice in what good she's doing and and don't just be looking for yourself and after yourself and your own country. Is there something wrong with me? I'm glad none of you said there's something wrong with me. And if there is, or if you think there is, you're wrong. (laughs) Amen. You know, uh, but I, I, how many of you remember remember when that situation happened with Oprah? How many of you remember that? Do, do you remember it? Didn't that make you sick? I mean, I just I thought, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. A dear woman does something great, something wonderful, and all 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 she's getting is just complaints and put downs. My friends, when the Lord uses you to do something good for him or for a person or a group of people, don't be surprised if someone complains. Do the good anyway, right? Do the good anyway. <clears throat> I, had a, I had a personal experience that falls under this truth this past week. I wasn't sure whether to tell you about it. Uh, I decided to tell you because it might end up saving someone's life or several people's lives. That's the main reason I'm gonna tell you about it. Uh, this week, I stopped into a plaza to go into a grocery store to just pick up a few groceries. No, I wasn't gonna buy tripe on this occasion. <laughs> they don't sell tripe at that store. Some of you are wondering what I'm talking about. You have to listen to the message from last week. Anyway, so I pulled in and I uh, was going to go into this grocery store just to pick up a few things. As I got out of my car, I heard, I heard a car alarm screaming away. I, I, I looked around to try to see where the, where the, the scream was coming from um, to, to make sure no one was breaking into someone else's car. It's a standard thing that I do if there's an alarm, you know. Uh, So, you know, I looked to see that no one was breaking in, and no no one was breaking into a car, but I saw something much worse. I saw something more serious. There was a little girl. There was a little girl in the back seat of the car, and no one was with her in this big parking lot. I don't know for sure, but I estimated her age to maybe be between four and seven, something like that. What especially burdened me was the temperature outside, the temperature outside was 30 degrees centigrade, which is 87 degrees Fahrenheit. And all day long, when I was driving between hospitals, I had put, I had put my air conditioner on, on top speed, high speed, as I was driving from one place to another to try to, you know, not, not sweat it in, in the car. Okay? So it was really hot out. I was very concerned. I was very concerned for the little girl stuck in a very probable, probably hot car with the sun blazing down upon her. That vehicle, what do you do? I quickly, I quickly wrote down, a, I quickly wrote down the, the make of the vehicle and the license plate. I rushed, I rushed towards the grocery store with the intention of having the, the owner of the vehicle paged. And if there had not been an immediate response, I would have done what was necessary to get the little girl out of the car regardless of what the situation was. And just as I was about to enter the grocery store, just as I, I was entering, I saw, I saw a, a man approach the car. I, I, I saw him unlock the car from a distance, you know, with the buttons, you know. Chick chick. And so um, I, I ran, I ran back, I ran back to the car, and just as he opened the car door, just as he opened the door to get in, I said, I said, excuse me, sir, sir, could I please talk with you? And he said, uh, about what? I said, about the fact, about the fact that you left your little girl unattended, all alone in this car. Now, I, I was trying to be calm. I was very upset, but I, I, I did keep my cool, okay? I was calm. And uh, he said, "Well, well, I was was only I was only in the store for five minutes." I I said, "Sir, the bottom line, the bottom line is you should never leave a little child like this all alone in a car. It's not safe. It's not right. It should not happen." Well, he argued with me. He argued with me, and and he said, "It's no big deal, man." It's no big deal. She has a cell phone and she she could call. She could have called me if there was a problem. And I said, sir, leaving your child like this is dangerous and hazardous. And if someone had called the police, you would be in big trouble now. I said, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to give you a hard time. Please, just don't leave your child, don't leave your little girl in your car like that again, please. He again said, well, it's no big deal. My wife is waiting for me and I got to go and pick her up. I got to go. And then he took off. In that incident, in that incident, I was simply trying to do something good. Trying to prevent something bad from happening to a little girl. I would have thought that he would have said something like, I would have thought, hey, you know what? Thanks for caring about my child. Instead, he argued with me and complained to me that he did nothing wrong. My friends, it's simply another example of how when the Lord uses you to do something good for the Lord or for a person, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if someone complains or gives you a hard time. Do the good Anyway. Amen? And just before we we move to our next truth, I need to say this. Are you listening? Up in the balcony, are you listening? Radio listeners, are you listening? You're not even a radio listener and you're still listening. That's good. Okay, just before we move on, I want to say this. Every summer, every summer we hear of children and pets unnecessarily dying in cars from heat exhaustion and dehydration. Please, please, never leave your child or someone else's child or your pet unattended in a hot car. Emergency, emergency medical people and pastors like me hate responding to tragic situations which could have easily been prevented. Are you with me now? Amen? I hope what I've just said will end up saving some child's life, some pet's life, or several children's lives. Amen. Amen. Let's move on to our fourth truth, and it is this. Be encouraged because there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Be encouraged because there is power in the name of Jesus. As the story unfolds, it it, it, Verse 10, here's what it says. You know, uh, the authorities asked Peter and John, you know, by what power, what authority did you guys heal this man? And I love, I love, I love, I love the response. I love the response. Look, verse 10, verse 10. <laughs> Let me clearly, this is Peter, you know, verse 8 says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? let's start at verse 8, okay? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus, is the, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> Let me clearly state to all of you that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Wow. Wow. Our choir sang a fantastic song in a previous production a little while back. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. My friends, whatever your situation is, whatever you're facing, whatever some family member is going through, whatever is going on in your life, be encouraged today because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is not power in the name of Pastor Nick or Pastor Lisa or Pastor Arnie or Pastor Lucas, but there is power in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. Amen. Amen. Let me take you to a fifth great truth and lesson here. Amen. Number five. The Lord can empower you to be bold when you need power to be. Oh yes, look at it, look at it, starting at verse 13. Here it is. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, verse 19. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. What's that tell us? That tells us the Lord empowered them to be bold when they needed to be. And my friends, I believe the Lord can empower you and me to be bold when, you, when we need to be. In, in, the example, in the example that I gave you a little bit ago about the child that was in the, in the hot car, I, I had to excise, exercise a little bit of boldness there. Because Especially the the closer I got to the car, I realized he was bigger than me. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I know that people don't always like what, what you say to them. Okay? But the Lord can empower you and me to be bold when we need to be. Amen. And here's the sixth truth I want you to take home with you, and it is this. Jesus is the only way by which you and I can be saved from the consequences of our sins. This is straightforward in verse 12. Here it is. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The Life Application Bible, if you have one of those, has a comment on verse 12 that is just powerful, beautiful. And it says this, it says, Many people react negatively to the fact that there is no other name than that of Jesus to call on for salvation. Yet, this is not something the church decided. It is the specific teaching of Jesus himself. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then the author goes on and says, If God God designated Jesus to be the Savior of the world, no one else can be his equal. Christians are to be open-minded on many issues, but not on how we are saved from sin. No other religious teacher could die for our sins. No other religious teacher came to earth as God's only son. No other religious teacher rose from the dead. Our focus should be on Jesus, whom God provided as the way to have an eternal relationship with himself. There is no other name. There is no other way but Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so I ask you, Jesus is the only way by which you and I can be saved from the consequences of our sins. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? He is the way to forgiveness of sins. He is the way to adoption into the family of God. He is the way to heaven. And I encourage and invite you here in the sanctuary on the main level, in the balcony, I encourage radio listeners to say, yes, I am going to put my faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord of my life today. Church family, would you stand? Musicians, would you come? Come, please. As we sing this song, as we sing, Some of you today need to make the decision to repent of your sin and turn your heart over to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Amen? Please, put, put that last slide up one more time, would you? Some of you need to make that decision. Please do so. You don't know, no one knows how long we have in this earthly life. And we have to be ready to meet the Lord. We have to be ready ready to go to heaven. It seems like it doesn't matter how old we are. No one knows when our time on earth will come to an end. We've got to be ready by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Others of you, others of you today may want to pray and say, you know what, I, I, I want to pray. I need to pray about the boldness that I need, I need more in my life. Lord, help me, help me to exercise boldness when, when I need to. And others of you have been living with and carrying burdens, burdens that are really heavy. And and I want to encourage you to pray today and say, say, Lord, I was reminded from the scripture that there is power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Lord, I call upon the name of Jesus for the healing and the help that only is possible from Jesus. You come, come, kneeling or standing around the altar, whatever you wish, and just trust, trust in the Lord. Amen. Amen.